All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So for today's topic, um, I, I had to go a completely different direction when I realized that, uh, you know, I'm not going to hide from, you know, what's going on in this country and the discussions that are happening uh, in talking about, you know, uh, how the police respond to black people in general, uh, racism on the table intermingled with that and the history that continues to somehow be ignored. Um, my question for today is that real love? So, um, I just had a thought, you know, it, it, <laughs> you know, going back to the dating days when, you know, you're, you know, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, you're in your high school years and, uh, you know, or your twenties, you know, <laughs> or fifties. I don't know <laughs> when you encounter this, but when someone tells you that they love you, it shouldn't be in response to an I love you. And you shouldn't be the one to always initiate the, the, the endearment of love. If I'm the one that's always saying I love you to my wife and she's never the one to say it first, then that means technically I, I initiated the love. I have the love. But, you, you know, she comes up and says, babe, I love you. She reaches out her hand and says, I love you. I appreciate you. You know, when it's in a, a, a separate scenario, a completely different, um, a completely different time frame, you know, on a birthday card or a cake or a holiday or, um, you know, just some random thing. When someone tells you they love you and it doesn't come as a response, when they tell you that they love you and it comes out of just the blue, out of thin air, it means so much more. So that's my question to you today. And you can ask this or share this message with someone. Is that real love? Is it real love when the only time that I tell you that I love you is in response? So. In response to you know, what I kind of started to see as, you know, the hashtag started flying like, you know, the Kung Fu flicks, you know, fists and feet and all kinds of bodies flying around with the, you know, black lives, blue lives, any lives, all lives, some lives, a few lives matter. And it, it really just blew my mind because for me. When someone says all lives matter, as you all know, you can go and look at my last podcast. When you say that all lives matter, that should be so consuming of a hashtag and a way of life that you shouldn't have time to get on social media because of Red Cross, because of your outreach programs, because of cystic fibrosis, because of pro-life, because of uh, inner city youth. Because of breast cancer, because of the opi opioid issues, because of sex trafficking, 
because of uh, uh, the Me Too and Time's Up movement, because of the surviving R. Kelly scenarios, because of the pedophiles that continuously breed and are created from the environments that they started in as children, they were beaten and, and made to be that way and now stay in the same areas that they were created in. Pedophiles are created. So the all <laughs> all lives matter hashtag, um, I kind of had to brush that to the side because I looked at that in the same way. If you're only going to tell me that you love me after I tell you, I have to kind of question it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that lives matter to you, but you're only telling me when I tell you. And so it really got me to thinking, why is it that people have such a hard time embracing uh, um, the quality and truth or fact of where we are with certain things? Why is it that we have to throw it back without fully assessing um, what it is that was thrown our way? Um, Because if you ever play the game hot potato, hot potato, you don't. You don't pass it around because you're saying hot potato. You pass it around because um, I believe at some point somebody actually had a hot potato, <laughs> which is like kind of funny to think about. Like you eat your food. You don't play with it or, or grab it with your hands when it comes out boiling from the oven or the, you know, or from, um, you know, uh, the stove. But I got to thinking, let's let's look at this really quick. If I have to get a root canal, which I've had a couple, why do I fear the dentist? The dentist is going to make me healthy and give me good oral health so that that won't happen again. And then people walk around fearing the dentist as if they're waiting to inflict pain upon you. When in theory, they're actually there waiting all year to help you do the opposite, to give you a clean mouth. No, uh, no tooth decay, uh, you know, keep strong enamel um, and, you know, keep plaque and, and all that stuff from forming in your mouth. They're there to keep you clean as far as the mouth. So if, if, if you, <laughs> they are the protect and serve of the mouth and we fear them as if they're the ones that gave us all the sugar, all the sweets, all the candy for 365 or, you know, however often it is you go. Like, I, I go now every six months since I've been married. Um, I just, I got tired of it. It was it was so much pain um, from uh, my college years. I had a cracked tooth. That was not the dentist's fault. Let me move on. I got a knee injury. The knee injury happened while I was playing basketball, so I'll never pick up another basketball again. The knee injury happened while I was playing hockey, and I was in uh, the st- I was playing for the Stanley Cup. So because I got that injury during the Stanley Cup, I'll never watch the Stanley Cup again. I'll never watch the NBA Finals again. I'll never watch the NFL Super Bowl again because I got my knee injury at the Super Bowl. I I'm so hurt and mad. At my body that I'll take it out on this event when I should have prepared better 
or worn better shoes or stretched a little bit better or known to not test my limits that week and max out with a 500-pound squat before going into competition. So, (laughs) gambling is the same thing. Well, if I didn't have these bills, I wouldn't gamble. Well, if the rent didn't go up, I wouldn't gamble. Well, if we hadn't moved, I wouldn't gamble. Why are we so quick to throw off things that get hot? Why are we so quick to throw the hot potato when all we need to do is find a way to, if you're watching Mission Impossible, it's like, the bomb never blows up, okay? <laughs> I'm still watching these movies after, what, 20 years? I'm still watching Ethan Hawke defuse bombs that never blow. Well, yeah, we don't want the bomb to blow up on, you know, Precious Tom Cruise. But the bomb never blows. They always get it, which I believe is a reflection of uh, uh, our men and women that go in and do bomb control uh, uh, in highly escalated uh, scenarios. But (laughs) what would happen if instead of passing the hot potato, because we don't like how that heat feels, we just roll it onto a plate or roll it onto the stove or gently place it down in a place where it won't get damaged and put it up. And set it aside for a time when, you know, maybe we can deal with it. The last one is arguments. We think for some reason that the argument and the heat and the anger gives us an excuse to play catch. Fastball. 98 miles an hour. And all you do is damage your catching hand. You're, you're, you're literally throwing all this force and damaging your catching hand. Me personally, I have a neighbor next door. This kid has a rocket. He can throw all kinds of diagonals, zip, zag patterns. And I thought because I'm a track athlete and I know my body really well, it'd be fun to go over there and throw with him. Then I watched him throw and I heard the ball hit that mitt. I'm like, you know what? Oh, it's okay. I'll just watch. <laughs> So this is what I'm saying. You're going to get in that argument. You're going to get a glove. You're going to get a hat or you're going to get a a ball. And because you have ears, you're always going to have a a catcher's mitt. And it's really up to you. What kind of catch do you want to play? Are you going to lob it over there and just, you know, gently brisk it back and forth between one another? Or are you going to, you know... Send that thing, you know, to to over the home plate at 98, 90, and 100 miles an hour and just demolish each other's hands. Same with the chess pass. Same with, you know, uh, a touchdown pass. Same with all passes. It's like, why overshoot it? Why overdo it when you're going to damage your own teammate, your own player? And and that's what people don't realize. We're, We're all one team. I'm sure the cultures and the colors look different, but... We're all one race. That's that's what people fail to realize. I don't care if you came from another planet. I don't care if you came from monkeys and gorillas and cavemen. I don't care. We all seem to do pretty much the same stuff when you need Red Cross, don't you? We all seem to do the same thing when you drink water. We all seem to do the same thing when you need to eat. 
We all did the same thing during 9-11. So that's the thing. With 9-11 even, how is it that we went from a nation that understood what terrorists look like at that point, but we won't understand where the terrorism lies in the domestic world, in our world, in our country? How is it that we could recognize terrorism when it comes from someone outside the country, but we won't recognize all the many ways that terrorism happens here? And now here's the thing. Nothing has been as blatant and open and nasty as what's happened to black people. There's a lot of bad issues in the world. If you want to say all lives matter, please hang that banner up right next to your American flag at your house, if you really believe that. And I pray that you are as dedicated to that cause as you are when you said it, so that you'll go out, you know, and work it and, you know, handle your business and do things. Because all lives matter is so much more than just something that you say. It's what every, uh, uh, in my opinion, therapist, Doctor, nurse, dentist, fireman, uh, who else? I mean, there's pastors, preachers, both men and women. There's people that work these nonprofits. And when you say all lives matter, I kind of think they, they kind of have to chuckle and say, well, get in line. Like we've been about this life for 30, 40 years as long as they've been doing it. So. Let me kind of bring it home here. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. John 13.35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. Every wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records, if any. So if you call yourself a Christian, are you really carrying love in your heart? That's my question. If you're not, and you, cool. But for some odd reason, some I don't know how, but people have got it in their mind that being American equates with being right with God. When, I'll go to it in just a second, being American is a, a two-slash-300-year thing. Being Christian is a 2,000-year-old thing. So how is it that you put your 200-year-old flag down, or or, I'm sorry, (laughs) I said it the other way around. Why is it that you'll wave a, a flag that's 200 years old around, but put down the label that you carry on your soul? Because keep in mind, your parents, your ancestors, your immigrant uh, uh, families, 
whether you're German, Czech, Polish, Irish, English, uh, German, wherever you came from as a family before the Americas, uh, that's not an American thing. <laughs> there, <clears throat> if you look, you probably have a couple different flags in your family. If you go back in time and you go back far enough, I've, I've actually seen some families where, <laughs> where there's a, a one one village off in Germany where all the men came from, and then there's a village east where all the women are, and the men and women would you know find each other and mate and date and love, and and that's their love story back you know in like thirteen fourteen hundreds. It's like what? Beautiful love story, right? But what I'm saying to you today is, why is it so easy to put down your salvation, to put down your cross, to put down your 2,000-year-old Savior? You'll put down your Savior and all the wonderful qualities and things that you've been taught in that church to pick up your American flag. Why is that so easy? Let's let let's let's do the pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for all. One nation under God. Who is that God? Like, I'm, I'm serious. Who is that God? At this time, it kind of scares me because people are proving to me that the God that this one nation is under is not the one that Christ came from. It's the one that Christ was fighting. So if you're hearing this message and you're like, are you saying what I think you're saying, Wayne? Yes, I am saying what I what you think I'm saying. I'll let you figure that out and spell that out in your in your car, in your drive, wherever you are. Based on people's actions, those that say they are Christian are not acting like Christ. They're acting like his enemy. So how do you change that? Well, I I know for one, you can't, you, (laughs) there's no way you're reading this Bible. There's no way. Maybe it's the riot and uh, 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 I I don't want to say riot, but maybe it's the battling and warring part of uh, (laughs) of the um, Bible that you're reading, the revelations and, uh, you know, what what, you know, the children of Israel ran into after, you know, Exodus. Maybe that's what you're you're reading when you read the Bible. But that's kind of what scares me is people that call themselves Christian and American, but won't read the Bible, because if you read the Bible and you see the growth that happens in the New Testament. You can clearly see that what Christ represented and what Christ was doing is almost the complete opposite of what you had to go through in the Old Testament to prove yourself to God 
in the Old Testament to prove yourself to God, you might have had to go to war. You might have had to go to battle. You might have had to uh, slaughter a whole village. You might have had to do a whole lot of things. But when Peter sliced off the soldier's ear when they were coming to pick up Jesus, he healed that man. Who are you healing? That's my question. Who are you healing? Is that real love? So when you say that you love someone and you're walking around telling your family, your friends that you love them. And you go to church, if you go to church and you say that you're Christian. Is your love in that church really valid? It's a hard question. This is something racism or not that I had to do myself. Because if you haven't asked yourself the question, am I like, is my love for real? If you haven't ever asked yourself that question, boy, 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 you're going to not like what happens when you really get this, when you really understand it. And for some people, they don't get it until they get older. They don't get it until they're brushed with death. They don't get it until they, they see enough trauma that they just have to finally say, you know what? Like, I'm not really, um, I'm not really doing this thing right. You know, I could treat my wife a lot better. I could treat my husband a lot better. I could treat my kids a lot better. Because the love that I say that I have, it's not really love. I'm compartmentalizing everyone as an appliance. I'm not really loving them. I just have a place in my mind for them. And according to how they make me feel, I validate where they are in life. If they upset me, they're out of line. If they start speaking something that I don't like, they're out of line. They, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. I don't know if they're a good daughter. I don't know if they're a good son. If they start saying something that I don't like, we're out of line. Well, every now and then, you got to take that punch in the mouth. You know, we set a rule, no phones at the dinner table. So what do I do? I start texting every I start texting everybody because it's this week. My wife had to remind me, hey, you know, I thought we were going to do this. I thought we were going to, you know, not, you know, keep this, you know, let's let's keep this a text free, phone free area. And at that moment, I'm going to be honest, I wanted to argue and be like, well, you understand, I'm trying to text people and message people back that I opened the door to talk to me on because we're, we're so sensitive. And we're so hurt right now. And people are trying to communicate with me and bridge this gap. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I had to take that punch on the chin. I had to apologize. I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. This was a rule that we both enforced. I didn't need to do that. So that's my bad. Um. So, yeah, it's okay to take that punch. No, it does not feel good. But if you're wrong, you need to know how to recognize that you're wrong. You know, like we've got to recognize that we're wrong. That's okay. I used to use the analogy that if something is wrong, the police officer will pull you over if you're speeding. Um, if you're walking too fast and you're too close to a corner, boom, you stub your toe. 
I'm a hurdler, so I know if your trail leg isn't coming around right, if you're not pressing the right way into the hurdle, you're going to hit that thing. It's a quick reminder. If you're off sides on a play, you could you could cost your team 15 yards back or 15 yards toward your opposing team's goal. If you foul a guy in the fourth quarter and he's the best shooter on the team, boom, there's your reminder that you shouldn't have fouled that guy. You should have been a little bit more careful. You show up late to work, your boss is going to talk to you about it. You keep doing it, they're going to write you up. You have a bad contract, you have a bad deal, and it goes south. I saw this in the newspaper. Um, A a man wrote a a life insurance policy for an 80-year-old woman that was on all different types of medication, and the deal came back negligent because they couldn't prove that she was in her right mind. So this uh, uh, financial advisor got sued all kinds of money for basically writing a deal for you know a person that didn't seem coherent. You're going to be told when you're doing things wrong. One of the greatest teachers ever is gravity. <laughs> you you try going up against that. You think you can just walk on air? Good luck. So we've got to embrace the fact that. We don't know it all. That's what I was saying to one of my friends. I'm so glad we can't read minds because there's some thoughts and some things that we need to work through that take decades. If you were to read somebody's mind at this moment, you'd be like, I got to kill this person. I got to get rid of them. I got to throw them in jail. I got to, you know, you would do that to people in your own family. The police would be out of bullets. Then people started, you know, attacking them because you'd be able to read people's minds open. Well, we don't do that right now. We're not doing that right now. And <laughs> like I said, there's a part of life and evolution that in, it involves work. So not working with one another and not admitting to, you know, the things that, you know, are right, are wrong. It's not helping anybody. If I come home from the grocery store and I forget <laughs> a valuable part, let's just say it's flour for making a cake. If I don't buy flour, do I argue with my wife that she's pressuring me and didn't give me the right list or, you know, isn't communicating, you know, properly or shouldn't have been distracting me that day or shouldn't have texted me or called me? While I was, you know, driving or, you know, at the grocery store and that's why I forgot. I just forgot. I forgot the flour. Let me let me run back to the store and grab some. We'll make this cake. We'll be good. I forgot. I was wrong. I apologize. And if it always takes the bigger man or woman, the more intelligent man or woman to teach this lesson, we're going to run out of time. <laughs> like I'll just, I'll just call it what it is. We're going to run out of time. And the universe will keep on moving as is. The universe will keep on happening as is. The stars and the sun and the planets and the galaxies, the 1,000 galaxies that we have as neighbors, will keep on moving exactly the way they do. There'll be another planet full of human beings or a new species that we couldn't comprehend in any way possible. You think you could tell a dinosaur what we're doing right now? <laughs> no, just like 
whatever creature is out there that has more abilities than us or is smarter than us and thinks what we're doing is just trash, like if they're jumping galaxies and planets, you know, and vacationing on other planets, like there's no way we could even fathom what they're doing. But that's my question. Is that really love that you have in your heart? Or have you compartmentalized everyone to a certain level, like an appliance, to where the minute they say something out of line in your, you know, your understanding, they're out of line? Well, Wayne, I don't, I don't think you should be uh, uh, talking about church. Wayne, I don't think you should be talking about the American flag. Well, I don't think you should be talking about racism. I don't think you should be talking about husbands and wives. I don't think you should be doing this. I don't think you should be doing that. A lot of times I've learned this well enough in my life now. People that have the most problems with things have the most problems with things. And a lot of times insults come from inside that person. That's what's inside them. That rage, that nasty darkness. Darkness is for rest. Darkness is for growth. Darkness is our universe. Darkness is not an evil thing. Darkness should be for rest. It takes an immature and greedy individual to use darkness as an enemy because blinding light is no different than the darkest of dark. (laughs) You think you can get close to the sun and see? That's blinding light. The closer you get to it, yeah, I know you you think you want a brighter day and a yeah, go ahead, go get closer to the sun. Leave the atmosphere and go get closer. See how fun that is. The 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 most blinding light and the darkness darkest darkness <laughs> are the same thing. Extremes are in every way. It's the behavior that you attach to it that messes things up. So yeah, of course I'm of course I'm out of line and I'm rattling your feathers because you haven't had to think this way. You're not flexible in that way. You don't eat this type of food. So it's 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 garbage to you. It's trash. I'm asking you to try something that you haven't tried before. I'm asking you to eat something that you haven't eaten before. It's new. It's different. It's a different perspective. It's a new pair of shoes. You've always been a Nike man or Adidas man. I'm asking you to try on some Reeboks, some Brooks, or some Asics. (laughs) You've only watched a specific team. I'm asking you to just sit down and enjoy this game with me. It won't kill you. If you like my players, great. I'm not asking you to, to jump teams. But if you can develop a level of appreciation for something that did not come from your mind, I think we're off to a better start. Is that love? Is that love or are you just a micromanager? Man, I really wish they wouldn't mess up those buildings. I know a guy was killed, but that's no cause for property to be destroyed. Well, let me ask you this question. My last question, I'm going to go. I'll shut up. Whose funeral did you go to last? Was it your mom? Was it your dad? Was it your grandma, your grandfather? Whose funeral did you go to last? I want you to sit there and I want you to think 
of how you felt at that funeral when you were hurt, when you were mad, when you were crying. I want you to think about that funeral that day that you wish would would never come again. And you wish you could take that day and erase it out of uh, out of history forever because it hurts you so bad because you lost that person that you love so much. I want you to go to that day and think about it. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know how that person left this earth. If it was peaceful and in their sleep, I think that's a beautiful thing. But if that person were murdered by a drunk driver, if that person were murdered or killed by a police officer, if that person died on 9-11, are you telling me that your response would have been peaceful? If that person that you cried your eyes out over, that you loved dearly, that you said you would give anything to get them back, if that person died a cruel or horrible death, 9-11, drunk driver, fire, accident, some type of shooting, some type of vandalism by a thief or a criminal, if that person died a violent death, your response would be peaceful? I just don't believe that. I'm sorry. Because real love (laughs) can get messy. It can get nasty. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records, if any. So that's real love. But what I'm saying to you is, (laughs) if love is patient and love is kind, maybe that's not love that we have at that moment. Like I said, if, if love gets messy and love gets nasty, well, that's, that's, That's when love transforms into something else, another emotion, because love is such a beautiful sacrifice, such a beautiful thing where we give. So maybe that's not love. All right, you all. Well, peace and love. Please love, like and share these messages. I love you all. I appreciate you all. I love being here for you all and want to continue to, you know, echo these great messages that you're sending to me. I will continue to send them out. Peace and love. I love you all and uh, I'll see you soon.